Welcome back to the House of Mario. Without further ado, the 8-bit big band, hit it! G'day everyone, I'm your host Drew Agnew and this is your Encore, the Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. Held within the House of Mario's Great Hall, somewhere within Hyrule, Kanto or the Mushroom Kingdom. That's up to you. Here we talk about everything Nintendo, and this episode is is all about one of the best Nintendo Directs that have ever lived. Very, uh, it's very uh, interesting because um, I guess talking about Nintendo Directs, it's kind of weird because it is sort of like a multi-million dollar company's marketing material at the end of the day. But I think, uh, as we all know as Nintendo fans, getting around a Nintendo Direct is a super exciting thing, and um, especially when it comes to this one, I'm going to talk about where. Uh, you know, it's at E3, it's at the biggest game convention there is, and it's just a lot of fun to all come together and celebrate what we love and hopefully get some good announcements. Before we get into that, I just want to say thank you very much to everybody who listened to episode one, uh, which was all about my gaming history, and I don't know how I did it, but I talked for an hour and a half, which is a, you know, that's a long time just to sort of yabber on. But we'll see how long this episode goes for, uh, sort of planning to be from maybe half an hour to 40 minutes, so let's uh, see how we go. And if we don't reach that, it doesn't really matter. But I would like to highlight a very special uh, Apple podcast review um, we got left on the show. And this is from Joshua. And Joshua says, If you love the House of Mario, you'll love the House of Mario Encore. Drew took us on a much more intimate and personal experience on the history of Nintendo and video gaming in general. For him, which inevitably led me to do the same thing. It was a very nostalgic-filled journey, which had me remembering things I never thought I would in the while, uh, while he was doing the same. It was fun to listen to him remember various details mid-sentence. Drew was a pleasure to listen to as a podcaster. The podcast is always uh, constructed well, and he is incredibly articulate. I had a lot of fun with this podcast. I can't wait for more. So, Joshua, thank you very much. And thank you to uh, everyone who left us an Apple podcast review. Very much appreciated. Helps us get up in the algorithms and all of that. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. It sounds... Uh, it's it's always weird for me sort of uh, talking about myself like that. But it's very nice, nevertheless. <laughs> always be a very uh, uh, modest person. So, the Nintendo Direct we're talking about. And this is one of the most... Uh, most exciting Nintendo Directs I've sort of watched. And this was uh, the E3 Digital Presentation 2014. And 2014 was a really weird place for Nintendo. This was, and especially looking back in hindsight, they were really pushing. This was their sort of final push for the Wii U as like a viable product. And since uh, 2014 in the games that were announced at E3, we saw like a decline in sort of their uh, effort to market and push out new content for the system. And it was only like the year after they actually announced that they had a new system called the NX in the works. So you could tell that they were ready to move on sort of, you know, probably eight months past this point. But to just uh, set the scene, so the Wii U came out in 2012 and uh, it came out the very end and it came out with a pretty ordinary launch lineup. It came out with a new Super Mario Bros. U, which was, uh, you know, it was fun for what it was, but it was very much the same thing as what we had on the DS, the 3DS, and the Wii. And it came with a bunch of third-party games, such as, like, Batman, Arkham um, Arkham City, stuff like that. It was, like, sort of a lot of third-party games we had access to on PlayStation and Xbox, 
but um, so, some of the the games with the ports that were coming over had like enhanced features and whatever. And it took a long time for Nintendo to like start bringing games to this thing. It wasn't until like uh, 2013 where we got Pikmin 3 and Holiday 2013, which was a whole year later, we got uh, um, Mario uh, 3D World. Um, but apart from that, we really didn't have that much on Wii U to play, especially exclusive. We got stuff like Rayman Legends, which was on all platforms, which is an absolutely brilliant game. But it was a very, very slow first year. And uh, going to 2014, we knew that uh, Mario Kart and um, Super Smash Bros. were coming. They were announced at E3 2013, uh, along with uh, some other games. But they were the main games I was waiting for. I was really looking forward to Mario Kart 8 and Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. And uh, going to two, into uh, 2014, Super Smash Bros. was uh, going to be at the end of the year, whereas Mario Kart came out in May. And... Mario Kart was Mario Kart 8, as we all know, on Nintendo Switch, absolutely fantastic game. It was no different on well, it was different, but it was absolutely fantastic game on Wii U, and it really demonstrated that uh, with the right sort of effort and art style, that uh, games could look absolutely fantastic on the Wii U. Um, but also with the scene as well, um, Xbox One and PlayStation Four had just come out. PlayStation was really showing its dominance with the PlayStation 4, absolutely streaming ahead of the Xbox One and uh, really uh, catching up to Nintendo and surpassing them real quick with 100, well, what was it? A million units sold in the first day just in uh, the US at launch for the PlayStation 4, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, So Nintendo was in a lot of trouble and sort of this was the E3 where they put everything they had out there and for us Nintendo fans, it was an excellent showing. Um, and looking back on it, you'll absolutely see some absolute bangers that came out of this E3. So, like I said, this is the Nintendo E3 2014 digital presentation. And it starts off like, well, I also, also want to talk about um, sort of what the other presentations were. So, this year... I was at Bryce's place. We're really excited for all the announcements were coming out. We're really excited for uh, Super Smash Bros because, you know, information was coming out since last E3 and it was like, it was such a long wait. Smash Bros was the main game I was waiting for personally. So I went over to Bryce's place and we're watching it live. And, but we're also watching PlayStation's, Xbox's, Ubisoft's, EA's. And after like two days of just like binging <laughs> uh, game content, it all started just to blur together. It was all very samey. It was all like third-person shooters, first-person shooters, but there wasn't like much variety. Um, there were a lot of great games at, say, um, PlayStation's conference. They were showing off uh, Destiny content. They were showing off uh, Uncharted 4, which was an amazing game by Naughty Dog. Um, but, you know, it's all... The industry was just showing that it was very samey. And it just got a bit tiring. So at the very end, when Nintendo was showing theirs... And we know that they weren't having a traditional press conference. In 2013, they also opted out of having a traditional press conference. But uh, their presentation that year was a bit more like, hey, we're going to film a water against a white wall. Very basic stuff. Play a trailer. You know, it wasn't quite as uh, exciting as it was this year. So this year, they um, opted for something completely different. So they they started off and it was a, a robot chicken skit. And it was just really cool to see 
uh, Nintendo just really embrace its wacky side. Um, a, lo- a lot of the time, Nintendo marches to its own drum, does its own thing. But this is one of the times when they really were doing something different. They were doing something completely different to the other guys. And it really shone in just the way they presented their games. So, um, leading in, it's just like it starts off as a E3 stage and Awada's, not Awada, um, Reggie comes out and announce, announces himself and all that. And it's just like, oh my God, this is Robot Chicken. And Bryce and I, we're, we're fans of Robot Chicken. It's just like a really funny, uh, basically, <laughs> cartoon. And just the, the inside jokes, just uh, out of like the first minute, absolutely nailed it. So you start off with the announcer not knowing how to pronounce Reggie's name, and that's just like a, a typical thing in interviews where people are like, oh, Reggie, Fiza, and then uh, meh. <laughs> and um, like, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't when I see Fiza May, I didn't know that it was Fiza May. It's like a lot of people say like Fiza Anime <laughs> or whatever. So that was just really funny off the bat. And also, like, a lot of the talk in the media that year was, oh, Nintendo's not having a press conference. What are they going to do? Are Nintendo in trouble? And, you know, Nintendo were in trouble because of the position of the Wii U, but they definitely weren't in trouble uh, because of not having a press conference. And I think in 2020, when we're seeing everybody not have a press conference because of COVID-19, it just shows you, like, how far ahead of things they actually were presenting their content. Um, So... Yeah, and uh, another another uh, inside joke too they uh, sort of played on was uh, someone in the crowd, they had like an animated crowd and they have someone say, oh great, another Mario game. And uh, I think I've actually got a little uh, soundbite here if I've got it. Ready to make some big announcements. Oh, great, <laughs> another Mario game. Don't love your tone, but actually no new Mario game today. What? I'm getting bombed? Bring my cart around. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just like a really great example. It's off the bat. This is the first minute. It's like, all right, no, they're presenting it in a funny way, taking the piss out of the audience, taking the piss out of the media, as well as just sort of saying, okay, we're going to get some different stuff this uh, this E3, not necessarily Mario games. And they go on to basically say like, oh, there's a Link and Toon Link sort of sharing cake. And uh, Link goes to Toon Link. Hey, <laughs> they said you wouldn't be here. And I think a little... Hey, hey, looks like I'm the new face of Nintendo. Hey, they promised me you wouldn't be here. <laughs> and that's just a really funny throwback to the Wind Waker reveal where um, a lot of people weren't happy that The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker was taking a different direction to, uh, I guess, an Ocarina of Time at the time. Because uh, for the GameCube reveal, they had a demo of uh, Legend of Zelda demo and it was looking real realistic. It's a big gritty fight between Link and Ganon. But when uh, Wind Waker was shown, a lot of people were disappointed in its kitty, more um, colourful art style. But as we know, a lot of people sort of grew to love that art style in the end. And, you know, it's one of the most timeless art styles in the whole industry. So I think it turned out pretty well. But um, just a, another sort of play on their audience. And another real big one they sort of played on as well was uh, someone yelling at Reggie saying, come on, where's Mother 3? And it sort of ends up uh, Reggie just throws a fireball at him and sets him on fire. <laughs> And that's another player because every interview, every forum, every sort of discussion when it comes to asking Reggie a question, people are asking, where's Mother 3? And Mother 3, for those that don't know, Mother Mother is a series that uh, sort of didn't really take off in the West that well. And uh, the third iteration of the series was on, on Game Boy Advance and it never got a translation. It never came over to English-speaking countries. And a lot of people will keep on asking like, you know, where is it? Where is it? And it is kind of a shame because it's, it's, it is it's got a big niche here um whether it will sell well it probably won't necessarily but um fans have even gone to the 
their uh, own uh, limits of actually translating the game themselves. If you go onto PC right now, you can find a translated version of Mother 3 to play on PC. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I've got a hacked 3DS with Mother 3 on it. So you think they could sort of, you know, work out a way to maybe work with the translation that's already there or do it themselves. Because there is, there is a market there where they can just put it out digitally and all that. But nevertheless, that's where that joke comes from. So it, it's sort of like starting starting off with a few minutes of this sort of discussion about whatever and we're all just like, all right, all right, show us the game, show us the games. And it goes straight into a Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. And this is what we're here for. But this was uh, the highlight f- for me. And I know it's definitely the highlight for Bryce as well, where it starts off with just a water death staring into the distance. When it cuts the camera and there's Reggie death staring to the distance and they're, you know, they're about to have a fight. They're going to have a showdown. I think I've actually got the music for this too. Yeah, here we go. So they're actually like having a bit of like a showdown here. (laughs) Uh. So that's all, they're all ominous looking at each other. About to get it on, about to have a fight. Then it's on. And it's just like one of the most pulled from internet, internet fan forum thing Nintendo could ever do. And especially when you're seeing like stuff like Sony executives getting up, talking about sales, talking about, you know, graphics and that. Because the next generation, this is the first year of the brand new generation of consoles. But with Nintendo, we've got a robot chicken skit and we've got the head of Nintendo versus the head of Nintendo America just literally fighting it out, headbutting each other, punching each other. And it was just so funny. I was in tears, tears watching this. Just hold, holding my stomach, just like crying. I was I was laughing at it that much. And to get that reaction out of a press or, you know, quote unquote press conference, that is phenomenal. Like I've never been just blown back by a skit in a piece of marketing like that in my whole life. And I know I'm, I'm a sucker for Nintendo, like a lot of you guys out there probably are. So maybe you feel the same way, but it was just absolute hilarity. And it turns out it's all about announcing that Mii Fighter will be in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. And this was really cool because it allows you to sort of make your own me, put you in the character, but it also lets you to put like celebrities in there, put made-up characters in there. Um, Sakurai actually, he talked about it in the direct himself that, you know, a lot of people are asking like, oh, I want Reggie in there, I want a water in there. It's like, well, I can't do that because it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird of licensing and, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to go through to get somebody into the game that isn't just a, a character. But if you want a water in there, you can put him in there. If you want Reggie in there, you can put him in there as well. And I think that was absolutely the best way you could possibly announce something like this. Um, really appeal to your fan base, especially at a time when the only people that own your console are the dedicated Nintendo fans. So that was absolutely amazing. Like, <laughs> it's something I go back and look at like every now and then, just to just to cheer me up, just to remember the, the times. Like, we, I think a lot of us think of like the Wii U times as like real hard times, but this might be my nost- my nostalgia goggles coming on. But thinking back to like 2013 with a uh, you know Mario 3D World, that was a that was a great year with that and on the 3DS side of things, Link Between Worlds and. This uh, direct was fantastic, and as we're going on there, like the games are just um, there's not a bad game on this list, and there's not a game that there might be a couple you don't care about, but it's just absolutely insane what they announced for later in 2014 and into 2015. 
Um, so yeah, they talked about the uh, a three the 3ds version as well, and that was coming out October third. So we already had a release date and that for that, but um, we still didn't know when the Wii U version was coming out, and it turned out to be December. So it was a long wait. It was a very long wait for that game, but I think it ultimately turned out to be very much worth it. And they went on to uh, also announce Amiibo and this little uh, <laughs> fighting skit as well, where you could sort of, um, you know, you got a Nintendo figure, you could sit down, scan it in- into your game of the gamepad, and uh, a lot of these games had compatibility with the Amiibo figures. And this was the year they were really pushing it, and Holiday, when Super Smash Bros. came out, um, you could barely find Amiibo. They were really hard to find, and I actually got really sucked into this. I, I originally said, well, I'm going to get the characters I like in Super Smash Bros. I'm like, you know, and in saying that, I was thinking like six, five, maybe three. You know, I like Mario. I like, I use King DDD. I like Pit. Uh, I like Dark Pit. I like Pikachu. And, but then I quickly found out that I'm a Nintendo fan. I uh, actually quite like a lot of characters. Um, so if you're watching the video version, you might be able to see. I actually can't. They're actually a bit lower on my thing, sorry. But I've got a lot of Amiibo, and I bought way more than I ever intended to. But I don't regret it because they're fun little figures. And as time went on, they sort of stopped introducing features with them, and they turned into just more little toys, basically. Um, like Breath of the Wild was, like, I think, like really one of the last major games to use it. And in that game, all you do is drop it onto the Switch Joy-Con, and it gives you some goodies and uh, some maybe uh, uh, things that help you in your adventure, but nothing too much. But yeah, um, the Amiibo announcement was huge and the way they did it, it was just like earlier in the direct where it sort of set up some intrigue before it like, you know, sat down with uh, Reggie and he sort of really went in depth with it. And uh, next up what they uh, announced was Yoshi's Woolly World. And the thing to note about this is just how uh, in depth they went in with like behind the scenes of the developers. They actually had the developers come on to announce the game. So the producers and lead designers and stuff. And uh, with Yoshi's Woolly World, they had a background where it's all yarn and just really colorful, fun looking, and just really represented the game really well. And it was cool that they were bringing in on their developers from their different studios. So in this case, Feel Good, um, one of the, uh, I guess, second parties or uh, contractors at Nintendo. And it was just really cool to just be able to see like the people that are making the games. And since uh, 2014 and I think they did it a bit in 2015 as well. They had like a similar sort of setup. But since then, we really haven't had it where it's like, all right, let's sit down with the producer and like the designers and a few of the, all that. Because like, like for example, like we, we get to sit down with uh, say Anuma, for example. For the next Zelda, Anuma will come up and announce it. But we really don't know anyone else. There's obviously hundreds of people that are working on these games. It'll be cool to sort of have this format a bit more where there's like three of like the heads of the team to sort of discuss it. And that's something I really miss from this because it was really just heartwarming to just see the developers talk about their games, even if they're talking off a teleprompter and all of that. But it it doesn't really matter. And like there was a moment when uh, one of them (laughs) announcing Yoshi's Woolly World, they said, uh, I've got a saying, it's uh, (laughs) a good Yoshi or whatever. It's like, what? (laughs) <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense at all but um, it's just like one of those moments which is just pretty funny uh, an- another big one they announced after was uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker and this was one I actually didn't play on Wii U I actually picked up the Switch version um, you know later on um, but playing on Switch absolutely fantastic game and 
is sort of like a bit of a spin-off from Mario 3D World uh, where like there's like those puzzle levels. You go as Toad, you can't jump or anything. And it was just a really a fantastic game. And I actually do wish I played it on Wii U. It's definitely one you shouldn't miss if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't played it. Um, so yeah. Um, I mean, if you don't have a switch and you still have a Wii U, I'm sure you can go and find it somewhere. If you're, I wonder how many people out there have a Wii U and be like, nah, I guess there's people that were burnt out by the Wii U and didn't get a switch. Don't know. This is something I thought about. <laughs> um, but right in the middle, this was the big one people were talking about for the next three years until the game original initially came out. So the Legend of Zelda in brackets for Wii U. And it starts off with Anuma talking about how he's trying to change the conventions of the Legend of Zelda and uh, some of the changes they're going to make and all of that. And he's got a white background and he snaps his fingers. And there it is. The new Zelda game, open world, just lush fields, mountains as far as the eye can see. And it looks amazing. And obviously this is the game that was going to turn into the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and... When you look at these screenshots, the the game when it released definitely does not look this good. What they're showing on the TV actually looks like a high-end PC. Even now, <laughs> in like 2014. There's no way in hell that game was ever even thinking about running on Wii U. But you know what? The game was like still a year or so away at that point. And we're, like, we're at E3, man. We're just in there for the hype. So when seeing that and just like, oh my God. And all the questions that came up as well. You've got like all the houses, all the different things there. And you've got Link on the horse. He's in a completely different uh, tunic to what he's usually got. He's in his blue. Whereas, you know, usually we used to Link in his, uh, you know, traditional green tunic. Um, so there's a lot of questions for that. But then all of a sudden the music changes and um, a guardian comes out of nowhere and starts chasing him. Link's running away. And... There's like piano music in the background and it must have been the original sort of theme for the Guardians, which changed. And we all know sort of that really haunting piano music that plays when there's a Guardian nearby and he's got the lasers going on. Like, it's just like when you first start playing that game, that sends just chills down your spine. Um, but I guess, yeah, that was the original sort of theme for the Guardians. And um, it sort of ends up, Link jumps off his horse and takes out his bow and arrow and it just like sort of unfolds and it's got this light and it's obviously like more technological than um, other Zelda weapons that we've seen. Um, which, uh, you know, when you play the game and sort of with speculation, we figured out that it was like um, the Sheikish basically have, have left all the weapons for Link to take on his journey to save Princess Zelda. Um but yeah, it's just like so many questions, so many, so much speculation. Uh, Link had longer hair with a ponytail. There's lots of speculation that Link was a girl in this game. But no, Link just has a ponytail because he's on adventure. He can't get haircuts. Um, that's what it turned out. There's actually an NPC in the game that said, hey, uh, Link, you haven't had a haircut in a while. And Link just goes, yeah, no, well, where do I, where do I get a haircut? And they, they go, fair enough. Uh, that did not happen. But <laughs> that was not a thing. But, you know, you can have a ponytail. We know in 2020 right now, as I'm recording this, a lot of people... If you're a man, you can have a ponytail. Even Bryce has a bit of a ponytail, a bit of a, a bun going on. Um, I think Bryce is, is more just from um, can't be screwed getting his hair cut rather than <laughs> um, a style choice, but uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the biggest thing from this. Um, whereas, like, I think I was more hyped for Smash Bros because that was confirmed for 2014. But 
um, at the end of the Legend of Zelda trailer, we knew that it was it said 2015. Like, all right, next year, yes. Uh, but we do know the story what happened with the Legend of Zelda, where it got delayed, and um, I think it got delayed at the time they announced the NX. And I think they announced the NX to be like, all right, the Legend of Zelda is going to be right, but it's also coming out for the next generation of Nintendo, next generation Nintendo platform, whatever that's going to be. And obviously, it turned out to be Nintendo Switch, and I'm very happy that it came to Nintendo Switch at launch. I think the Legend of Zelda, this game was the most one of the most important games Nintendo's ever released. Um, just to get them back into the critical eye of you know the gamer, the media, just everything from the Wii U. It was a massive slip up. But if uh, the Switch came out with like no big game like Zelda, I, I don't know if it would be where it is today or it would have taken a lot longer at least anyway. So um, just such an important game for Nintendo. And this was, the, the I guess, the announcement of it. So they go on to talk about Pokemon Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and we already knew about these games. And obviously, Pokemon, the Pokemon companies just put in a trailer to be like, hey, "All right, here it is." Like, cool. It was a very cool, like, uh, live action trailer. Looks pretty fun. <laughs> but I was really hyped for these games as well because Pokemon uh, Sapphire was my very first Pokemon game, and I've been wanting these remakes for years, and we're finally getting it. So I was absolutely hyped for it. Kind of, uh, it turned out to be a bit of a disappointment for me, but you know, they're fun games, so. Oh, they turned out all right. Um, they go on to talk about Bayonetta 2. They show some more gameplay, some more story segments, and they also confirm that Bayonetta 1 will be a pack-in with a Bayonetta on Wii U. And uh, Bayonetta 2 was a was another really important game for the Wii U. It, uh, like, not necessarily commercially, but just uh, critically. It was getting, like, lots of perfect scores or very near to perfect scores. So it was just a big, it was just a win Nintendo needed to say, all right, we've got games. Because that was the main sort of battle for the Wii U. So it's like, yes, we've got games. We've got games. Come to our platform. But, uh, you know, they just could not keep up with the uh, third-party support for PlayStation. <laughs> Even Xbox at the time were getting, uh, yeah, nowhere close, unfortunately. Um, next up was Hyrule Warriors. This was already announced. It was announced uh, earlier in 2013. And, but they just had a bit more of a sit-down with the developers at uh, Koei Tecmo or Tecmo Koei, <laughs> whatever way around it is these days. And, yeah, it was just a, another one of those things. Like, I wasn't super hyped for Hyrule Warriors, but, you know, big Legend of Zelda fan, and the next Legend of Zelda game is at least a year away. Turns out to be three years away. <laughs> so it was just cool to sort of uh, get in that universe a bit more and play it. I, when the game came out, I sort of really enjoyed the music. I really enjoyed the graphics and just the 3D models and uh, how the characters are represented in... I kept on going with DLC and that was just really cool, but didn't enjoy it that much. And with the Switch Definitive Edition, I never bothered to pick it up because I don't need to play it again, but that's all right. Uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse is a real short trailer, pretty much what the Rainbow uh, Canvid Curse was on DS. Uh, I never ended up picking this one up, mainly because, you know, it was, it's an expensive game. It's like 70 bucks, And... It sort of used, it obviously used the gamepad to uh, draw your line and get through the levels, but it really didn't, it didn't use the TV at all. It may as well have been a 3DS game. So I kind of didn't pick it up for that because when I want to play on the Wii U or the or console, I want to have like that experience where it's like, you know, nice graphics on the TV. You've got the sound coming through. I don't really want to have to boot up the console to play a handheld game, if you know what I mean. So it's, it was kind of stuck on the wrong platform, to be honest. So I never ended up picking up, but it looks like fun. Uh, 
Um, there's a few times where I was really tempted to, but it's just too expensive, you know. Uh, you know, Nintendo tax for the most part doesn't bother me because, like, you know, I'll pay eighty dollars on launch for Mario, Zelda, Pokemon, whatever, whatever. But when it comes to like Kirby, it's like not worth that much to me. To me, anyway. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, another game I didn't actually end up playing, but uh, it actually blew me away at the time when it was announced. It looks awesome, and they showed like you and the mech flying around the vistas. Just everything about that game looked awesome. And it's, it's actually a game I regret not picking up. I don't know why. In 2015, what was I doing? I actually don't know what, I was t- what else I was playing in 2015. But for whatever reason, I didn't pick it up. It was probably... Oh, I've got no idea. Can't remember. But regardless, it's one of those games now that uh, kind of haunts me where people are like, oh, you got to play it. Luke, um, one of our listeners, actually made a video being like, hey, you need to play this. <laughs> His four reasons why. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I know, I know. So, Luke, if you're listening to this, I'll play it eventually. And uh, I'll play it if they port it the Switch. Because, like, with uh, the just all the online connectivity and all that going on the Wii U version, you know, whatever. <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm not going back to the Wii U for a big game. I'm happy to go back to the Wii U for, like, a... A smaller game, like go back for Wind Waker, Twilight Princess. But look, if it's a 100-hour-plus game, probably not. Probably not. Uh, so this was another huge one, which is just sort of set the platform for uh, the sequel on Nintendo Switch as well. But uh, Super Mario Maker, this was a huge surprise. We never sort of thought Nintendo would allow us just full, full like the full suite of uh, creativity with uh, the Mario IP and this was their sort of venture into it. And they're showing off uh, Super Mario World and new Super Mario Bros. art styles. You could sort of switch between them and everything you could do. And it was just really mind-blowing at the time. And I guess even today, with like, the idea that you can just... You've got infinite Mario levels with one purchase. It's just... It's really neat. Um, but yeah, I played a fair bit of this, but I didn't make that many levels. I sort of just like like playing levels, <laughs> like playing Mario. So I didn't make a whole lot. But the gamepad, this was probably the one game where it just married so well with the gamepad um even when it with the sequel on switch um it just doesn't work as well without sort of the touch screen in your hand and you're like you're doing it on the thing you look up oh yep 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 it's just it it just absolutely nailed it but um yeah uh so moving on again so splatoon a brand new ip from nintendo finally uh the last brand new sort of major ip was pikmin back on the GameCube. So it's been a long time. And that was uh, from Shigeru Miyamoto, obviously. I don't think I have to say who Shigeru Miyamoto is, but, you know, the the, the man behind Super Mario and The Legend of Zelda and a lot of Nintendo's big IP. So, you know, that was a that was a big thing at the time. But Pikmin never really took off and it was you know, had two games on the GameCube, which was really sort of a underperforming console as well. Not quite on the same level as the Wii U, but, you know, only to like 20 million sold, so not too not too many. Um, but this was a brand new IP from sort of the younger people at Nintendo and a lot of uh, a lot of interviews and that sort of discussed that Miyamoto didn't like the idea for Splatoon. He thought it wasn't that good. And if it was probably up to him, if he was the producer or the, the man in charge, he probably would have like flicked it aside saying, you know, people don't want that or I don't want that or that's bad game design or whatever it is. But... Um, I think we can look pretty objectively at it and go, all right, he was wrong um, because there was a people love this game. Um, it's, it was one of the best-selling games on the Wii U. Uh, it 
breathed like a lot of new life into the gamepad, into Nintendo's sort of creativity, and uh, it turned out to be absolutely fantastic. And it was a genre that was really underrepresented by Nintendo as well. Uh, a third-person or a team-based third-person shooter where you're not actually shooting each other, but you're trying to cover uh, areas in ink and whoever has the most area covered wins. And there's different modes as well, obviously, like, you know, more captured the flag orientated things and just like uh, really like unique ideas what made that game really good. And I played through the campaign, but I never actually played much multiplayer because uh, I'm probably going to say this a lot, but sort of during this time on the farm, did not have very good internet. So, you know, I played a few times where... Uh, maybe the internet was <laughs> strong enough because, you know, it varied a fit, bit because it was only like th- a 3G connection. We didn't actually have like a proper connection to the house because we, we lived out of town. So it was just, like, it was pretty, it was pretty ordinary stuff. Um, so I got, I got to play as much as I could and it was just really great. And um, just like the gyro controls on the gamepad and that was something different. Obviously, if you're playing on Xbox or PlayStation 3, there was no gyro controls. You weren't doing that for Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever sort of big uh, man shooter you're playing. But Nintendo's uh, take on the third-person shooter was really cool and um, it paid off for them. Uh, even with uh, Splatoon 2, um, a lot of people sort of took to that and that sold over 10 million units on, on Switch. So that's absolutely awesome to see. And um, I hope they continue on with... Um, sort of the Splatoon series and uh, they, they did continue as well. Another team at Nintendo made ARMS on Nintendo Switch and since then we haven't had a brand new IP. Uh, ARMS didn't take off the same way sort of Splatoon did but I would like to see some more of this creativity coming from Nintendo, not just from, you know, Miyamoto and Mario, Zelda, etc. but just like new ideas, new IP. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So that was really exciting to see. Even at the time we're like, what the hell is this? It sort of looks like, like, is this a Nickelodeon game or something? Because it kind of did. Because you know, Nickelodeon with like all the, all the ink and um, not the ink, but the sludge and all that stuff. The slime. That's the word I'm looking for. So it looks really cool. And uh, yeah, that was a uh, pretty, pretty much it for game announcements. And at the very end, they had a reveal for Palutena, which is uh, great because I was a big Kid Icarus fan. So the more sort of uh, Smash Bros characters from Kid Icarus, the better. And at the very end, they teased Dark Pit where Dark Pit came down and basically said he's there too. But they didn't confirm it. So it wasn't until we actually got the game and uh, people started unlocking characters where we actually got to finally confirm that Dark Pit was going to be in the game. So, yeah. And Dark Pit, you know, uh, Pit was my main in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Um, but I never used too much Dark Pit. It was a little bit slower and a little bit thing, but it's a lot stronger too. But what I didn't like about Dark Pit as much was just his arrows weren't as flexible. You could like sort of like point them down, point them up. But with pits, you could like do like loops and stuff with them. Like really cool. So, yeah. And uh, also that year they had the Nintendo um, Smash Bros. Invitational. And this was also another sort of new idea from Nintendo at E3. Like, like I said... You know, all the other press conferences, doing what they usually do, getting their suits up there, talking, blah, 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 blah. Here's some games. And by the end of it, you, they're going to look all pretty similar, except for like maybe some standouts that really appeal to you. But with Nintendo doing the robot chicken skits, really appealing to their fans with inside jokes, um, showing off excellent games, new IP, uh, Mario in a brand new way you've never seen it before, Bla- brand new Legend of Zelda game, which looks absolutely phenomenal, even though it's you know not going to look like that <laughs> when it comes out. Um, just this year, just knocked it out of the park. Absolutely fantastic year. And um, I look back on this and I really do miss 
them doing that. In 2015, they did a similar thing with Muppets and they sort of shown off Star Fox Zero and a few more games. And, you know, it was, it, it was done really well. But after that, they sort of dropped it. Um, I think mainly to do with like the, you know, obviously the death of Iwata and Iwata um, not being a part of the Nintendo Direct and sort of the marketing marketing team really having to rethink their process of what Nintendo Direct is and how they present it and all that. But really for Nintendo Directs 2013 to 15, especially this one, this was the golden age for Nintendo Directs, a time where Nintendo fans can get around, really enjoy the Direct, not just for the content, but also just embracing the creators of everyone that uh, makes the games and just the inside jokes and sort of the culture of Nintendo. I think that's the main thing we're missing from Nintendo Directs. It's just like there's a culture that comes with being a Nintendo fan um, and just having like, all right, next up is uh, Kirby. Oh, no, he's doing this. And there's the game. There's the trailer. Oh, no, so Link's Awakening. Cool, cool. And you're like you're moving through. And like there's just not that culture. Um, I, I know that might sound weird to say, but I think you guys listening or watching uh, can understand that. If you were there during the Wii U and you're a big Nintendo fan, you buy most of their products, um, I think you understand that. So that's where I'm coming from. So personally, 2014, the digital presentation is my favorite Nintendo Direct. And I'd love to find out what your favorite Nintendo Direct was in the past. Whether it was that awful one, <laughs> it wasn't even the direct, but that presentation where they announced all the Switch details, or whether it was 2013 where they announced, uh, <laughs> where they did their, like their first digital presentation, or maybe maybe you don't like their directs and you prefer they still did their press conferences live on stage where they had real awkward moments like the <sighs> like the Wii music bit and the drumming bit. Maybe you missed that. I don't know. Maybe you're sadistic. <laughs> Maybe you like seeing pain in people's eyes. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, if you have a favorite Nintendo Direct, be sure to leave them in the comments on YouTube or uh, just message them to me on Twitter or you can even DM me, at Ruby. So, guys, everybody, I won't take any more of your time. I really do appreciate you listening to the House of Mario Encore. This is something I really enjoy doing. Um, be sure to check out the main House of Mario show where we talk about everything in the latest and greatest in uh, Nintendo news. And, uh, yeah, be sure to review the podcast and uh, check out the video version or the audio version, depending on uh, what you're listening to. So, everybody, until next time, the doors to the House of Mario Encore are closed. Catch you later.